Hello, Real Life family and friends. Pastor Tim again with you today, continuing our series on spirit living. And we're looking at the gifts today out of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and where Paul describes how the Holy Spirit and, and the movement of, of the Spirit in our lives, uh, there are different giftings, and all of us uh, are experiencing the flow of God uh, bringing these gifts through us to the benefit of others. So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 7 uh, says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he goes into listing different gifts. And in verse 8, he says, To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, or the word of wisdom. So I want to talk about what a word of wisdom is today with you and explore that gift in the Scriptures uh, to see what wisdom is, uh, to see Jesus using this gift, to see some of the apostles using this gift, and then to talk about us, you and I, experiencing uh, this gift as well. So we can be a blessing to those around us as the Holy Spirit uses us in these variety of ways. So just to kind of a quick review, in Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2, uh, Luke is credited with writing this book. Um, and so uh, he also wrote um, you know, the, the Gospel of Luke. And it says, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions to the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. And so Luke is writing this, and it's a, it's a pretty powerful statement when he says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. In other words, Jesus isn't finished. We know clearly from the scriptures that Jesus has commissioned his apostles, his followers, that's you, that's me, to continue what he started. This is just a, a very important uh, concept that we believe in as Christians, that we have been commissioned by Jesus to continue the work that he began. Um, there's a great uh, scripture at the end of the, the Gospel of John, in John chapter 21, verse 25, where he writes, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. It was just a fascinating thought. John, the Apostle John saying, Jesus did so much. I've written this, but he, if, if we wrote down everything he, he did, the world wouldn't be big enough to contain all the volumes of what Jesus did. But he's still working today through the Holy Spirit, through your life, and through my life. This is what Jesus has done. Is he has invited us into this great privilege. So Jesus began, but now he is continuing through us. And he modeled a life of the Spirit uh, to us and for us, that now we are following his example of that. And we have the same spirit that Jesus had. And so we can do the same things that Jesus did because it's not us, it's the same Holy Spirit in us that empowered Jesus' ministry through him. And so all that Jesus did was through the enablement of the Holy Spirit as directed by the Father. So here's a verse, John 5, 19 to 20, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do that what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. I believe that how Jesus saw what God was doing was through the enablement of the Holy Spirit. The same gifts that we are 
learning about here through Paul in Corinthians chapter 12 are the same gifts we see Jesus operating in in his ministry, and it's through the Holy Spirit. So it's, it's not just, oh, he's Jesus. Of course he's Jesus. He's the Son of God. But the Bible says that he set his godness aside, and he learned to depend completely on the Father and the Holy Spirit to do all that he did. Why? So that he would model for you and for me, we can do the same things because we have been given the same Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is the agency of God. It is the, the power of God, right? It's what, what, it's like I said last week, it's the nervous system of the body. So the, 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 the direction comes from the head, that's Jesus, the head of the church, who's only following orders from the Father, and then the nervous system gets to work, and that's the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit is the agency of heaven, and He lives, God lives by His Spirit in you and in me. So when Jesus um, came, his first sermon to uh, his hometown in Nazareth in the synagogue included uh, a passage from Isaiah chapter 61. So this is what Jesus did. When we talk about what did Jesus do, what did he begin to do and teach, this is what he said, his first sermon. He was announcing his ministry. And he read from Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3. And that says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair." And so this is what Jesus did, and he did. This is also what we are called to do, to preach good, no, good news to those who need it in the world. We, we get to share good news with people through the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, Jesus said. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon you and upon me to equip you to preach and to give good news to people who need it, the poor, the poor in spirit to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to those who are in, in captivity, not just jail cells, but captivity of pain or soul or depression, to proclaim release from that darkness and bondage that people are, are, are bound by, to proclaim vengeance on the enemy, that the enemy is destroyed off of our lives and to break that power off of people, to comfort those who are mourned, to give a crown of beauty instead of ashes, to replace mourning with joy, uh, in people, to, to replace despair with praise, and in, in a large sense, just simply replacing death with life, right? That's the ministry of Jesus. That's the ministry of the Holy Spirit in Him and in you and in me and through me and through you and through Jesus. And so that's part of what God is doing on the earth today. He uses His body, His people, His children. He infuses us, fills us with His Spirit to do these things for those around us. That's awesome. So Jesus said in John 14, 12, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. And then he kind of quantifies it. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. In other words, I'm going to the Father and I am going to send the Spirit to you. And you will continue to do what I've been doing, but even greater than this in terms of volume because all of you will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Not just me, but all of you. 
Everyone who has faith in me will do these things and even greater things than these. And so we can expect to see God doing the same things through us that Jesus did. We should expect that by faith. That's how God, that's what Jesus promised would happen. So Acts 1.8 comes along and, and the Bible says, Jesus is speaking, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And so Jesus says, you will receive this power. You will receive the Holy Spirit. You will be equipped and empowered and enabled to do what I've been doing. And so that's what we're talking about now. Now, to do this, uh, we need uh, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is given to us to equip us to do the same things that Jesus did. And so this is what, um, I love this verse in Acts chapter 10, 38. It says, uh, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power. And how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. And I think this is one of the greatest verses in the Bible to personalize. To take the name of Jesus out and to put your name in there. I really believe um, this is a, a, great, a great exercise to do. Think about this. Could you put your name in here? Uh, I'll put my name in here just to show you what, I, what I'm talking about. And God anointed Tim with the Holy Spirit and power. And how Tim went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Tim. Do you see, that, that's, that's what we're talking about here is the Holy Spirit. It's not me and it's not you. It is the Holy Spirit. God is pouring out His Spirit upon each and every one of us to do the same things Jesus did, to set people free from the power of, devil, of the devil, to heal people, to bring life to people. That's who we are. That's who we are. 2 Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to Him. Do you know God is just looking for someone who is fully surrendered and committed to allow their lives to be used by Him? Oh, it says the eyes of the Lord are going to and fro throughout the earth, searching for those whose hearts are completely committed to Him. He wants to use you. He's looking for open vessels, for people who will say, here I am, Lord, here I am, right? I'm yours. I'm willing to serve you. I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And that's, that's what results in the Holy Spirit coming upon us as Jesus died to himself in a sense to receive, uh, to, to give away his identity as the Son of God, to set aside his godness and to trust completely in the Father and allow the Holy Spirit to empower him to do God's will only doing what he saw his father doing, only saying what he heard his father saying, completely surrendering his life to him, was how the Holy Spirit wants to in, infuse you and me in that place of surrender, that place of full commitment to God, and then he can do the work in us and through us. So I, I just pray that you surrender today and surrender each day this week to the will of God and just allow God and his spirit to fill you 
and to let God's will be done, not your will be done, right? Isn't that how Jesus taught us to pray? You know, not my will, but your will be done. Let your will, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I pray that that is your prayer this week and that God fills you and, and begins to exercise through you uh, these, these gifts that bless people, touch people, change people's lives. All right? So with that in mind, we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, understanding that there's, there's things that only God can do. And when we have this list of giftings, and the first one is the word of wisdom or a message of wisdom, it, we're not talking about you just being a smart person or I being a smart person or me reading some books and getting some knowledge or something. We are talking about um, the, the things that only God can do, wisdom from heaven. We're talking about this, the movement of the Spirit of God upon our lives, giving us a divine insight or wisdom that comes directly from heaven that's beyond human intelligence. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit, okay? And so we're going to talk about that. Now, first of all, I want to talk about wisdom in general, right? Wisdom is the ability uh, to use knowledge for the correct purpose at the right time. Uh, it's not, uh, it's just precise, it's perfect, it's applying knowledge in the perfect way at the right time for the right reasons, and uh, that's wisdom, the Bible talks a lot about the difference between wisdom and foolishness. The Proverbs talks a lot about that, contrasting wisdom and foolishness. Um, even Paul talks about that earlier in Corinthians, about the foolishness of this world, the foolishness of men compared to the wisdom of God, right? There's no comparison there. They're complete opposites. And yet, um, all Christians are to seek wisdom from God for our lives. The Bible is filled with wisdom. God has provided wisdom for you. He's stored up wisdom for you. And his word is filled with wisdom for you. So when we're talking about wisdom in general, first of all, I just want to say that as you dive into God's word, as you pray, as you seek God, God will release wisdom to you. And the scriptures have already provided wisdom to you. We should have a, just an insatiable hunger to take and investigate the word of God for wisdom and apply it to our lives because we will be wise if we do that, right? If we follow God's word, if we listen, study, and apply it to our lives, we will be wise. We will see the wisdom of God and we will enjoy the benefits of living a wise life according to God's word. That's what Proverbs talks about over and over and over again. And so I want to encourage you to do that. But here's a great promise in James chapter 1 verse 5. It says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. So no matter what's going on in your life, you are invited. There's a promise about wisdom. You are invited to ask God for help, for wisdom, and he will give you wisdom. So now this is different than a word of wisdom, which we're going to get to in a minute. But there is wisdom for all of us to be living our lives by. I remember a couple of different examples in my own life many years ago. Um, I just uh, I learned a little bit about our, our home financing, and I just felt like God had spoken to me to refinance our home. The interest rates were different. I called up this company, um, and over the phone, I don't know how this is possible. I just, well, I think it was God. It was all God. Over the phone, I, we refinanced our our, our entire house over the phone in 15 minutes 
and I went from a 30-year mortgage to a 20-year mortgage. I got a better, a way better interest rate. I eliminated my personal mortgage interest, which was a wasted, wasted amount of money that I was paying every month. And I cut off in a matter of 15 minutes. I think it was like almost $100,000 over the lifetime of our term. And it was all a God thing. God had given me that wisdom uh, and insight to make a call and to explain the situation. And, and, and it resulted in an incredible financial you know, blessing to us over the years of, of owning our home or paying for our home. It was from God. It was just wisdom from, from heaven. I can't explain it any other way. It was just God prompted me. He gave me some insight and I followed it and it resulted in a, in a huge blessing. Remember another time I've told this story a, a few times, one of our children was having nightmares and um, night terrors. And, and my wife and I uh, were really distraught. And so we, it happened a couple of times. So we're praying to God, we're God, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? What's happening? And God gave us wisdom. He showed us. He just put this thought into our minds. It was a video game uh, that our, our child was playing that had some just real evil images on it. And we decided to cut that game out. And uh, our child never played that game again. And all the night terrors were gone immediately. Immediately. Of course, we were praying over our child and doing all that. But there was a wisdom beyond just praying for them that we needed to know it was coming from something that, that, uh, that was being exposed, right? And, it, and that was a wisdom from heaven. We asked God for help. We asked God for wisdom. He gave it to us and just changed the situation around immediately. And I can't tell you how many small and big moments of our lives that uh, Amy and I, we've just asked God for wisdom and God gave us direction with our kids, with our finances, with our decisions, just with so many things. So God has wisdom for you right? And we can ask God for wisdom and he promises to give it to us. That's just awesome. That's awesome. We should be flourishing with wisdom because of the word of God and because of the Holy Spirit and because of the promises that God has given us. But now a word of wisdom listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a little bit different. And when it says in this verse, to one that is given through the spirit, the message of wisdom, the word message, or in some translations, the word word is logos. So it is actually a spoken word at a right moment that God will give for you to say for someone else's benefit. That's what a word of wisdom, the gift of a word of wisdom is. It's like the Holy Spirit will give you something to say that is exactly what needs to be said in that moment uh, that is coming from God. It may be something that... Um, uh, it could be in a, in a sense of persecution and the Holy Spirit tells you what to say. Uh, it could be uh, a word of wisdom that helps someone know what to do uh, or encourages someone with the situation they're dealing with. But it's a, a gift that the Holy Spirit gives you for the, someone else's benefit. So I want to give you some examples. Of course, Solomon is known as the wisest person to ever live. And it's interesting that he asked God for this gift. And, uh, you know, you often say, I often say things like, well, God isn't like a genie in a bottle, but, um, but in this case, or a genie in a lamp, in this case, he was. He came to King Solomon after Solomon made all these sacrifices and basically said, you can ask whatever you want, whatever you want, and I will grant that. And because Solomon asked God for a heart of wisdom and discernment to govern the people as he would see fit, 
that God was so blessed with that request that he also blessed Solomon, not just with wisdom, but with wealth, riches, and long life. And so we see Solomon operating in the gift of wisdom often. And he had a famous case, uh, court decision. Remember when um, there was a, uh, two women and they had two babies and one baby died during the night. And then they came to court and the lady who didn't, whose baby died was claiming the uh, other baby was hers. And then Solomon said, bring me a sword. I'm going to cut the baby in half, right? And uh, give half to this one and half to that one because they're both, they're both saying the same thing. So somebody was lying. So as he announced that decision, the real mom said, no, 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 give, give the baby to her because she wanted to save the baby, right? The other one said, yeah, go ahead and do it, you know, because she wasn't the real mother. And that wisdom, that word of wisdom that, that Solomon declared um, out of really the anointing of God, you know, helped him decide and see what was really true. So that's a famous case there in the Bible. But Daniel also uh, exercised in this gift. There's a story about Daniel in Daniel chapter 2 where King Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. He wouldn't tell anybody what this dream was, but he asked all the wise people, all the magicians, all these smart people, right, to tell him what his dream was and to interpret it, and nobody could. So he said, well, kill them all. He was just ticked off. And then Daniel heard about it and he said, time out, time out. You know, I, let, me, let me get involved here because there's, there's a God in heaven who knows how to do these things. All right. So Daniel stepped in he got word to the king. And he said this to the king in chapter 2, verses 27 to 28 and verse 30. He says, no wise man, enchanter, magician or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. As for me... This mystery has been revealed to me, not because I have greater wisdom than other living men, but so that you, O king, may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. And so then Daniel begins to tell the king what he dreamed and what it means by the Holy Spirit, right? Later in Daniel chapter 5, verse 14, it was said of him, I have heard that the spirit of the gods is in you and that you have insight, intelligence, and outstanding wisdom. And I would say the same of you today. It is being said that the spirit of the gods, but it's the Holy Spirit, right? The spirit of the Holy God is in you and you have wisdom and insight, right? And, and these things are coming from the Holy Spirit. And Daniel knew that. He never took credit for the operation of the gift of wisdom or a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge that he often exercised. He always gave the credit to God and said, no, 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 it's not me. I can't do that. But God can and God has. And God has shown me what you have dreamt, right? And that's important to remember. No man can generate this kind of wisdom. This is God wisdom. It's perfect in perfect timing. Now, Jesus operated in this gift. I want to tell you a couple of the, or remind you of a couple of stories in the New Testament. One was found in Luke chapter 20. And uh, he, he, has some, uh, he has some teachers and Pharisees and scribes who are trying to corner Jesus and get him in trouble. They're trying to trap him uh, by asking him difficult questions that they, that they know he's going to, no matter what he says, he's going to get himself entrapped. And so they can get rid of him or they can imprison him or they can convict him, right? So they come to him and they say to him, is it right for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? And if Jesus says yes, 
all the Jews would turn against him, right? And persecute him. And he'd be discredited in front of all the people. And if he said no, well, then they would just turn him over to the Romans and, and uh, say, hey, here's a, here, he's committing treason. And he would be perhaps persecuted or killed, um, you know, as a rebel, right? So either way, they're like, aha, we got you. We got you, right? And so he says to them, bring me a coin, a denarius. It says, look at it. And whose image is on that coin? And they replied, Caesar's. And then Jesus had a word of wisdom. This whole thing was a word of wisdom. And he said to them, then give to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. And the Bible says they were unable to trap him in what he had said there in public. And astonished by his answer, they became silent. Jesus operated in a word of wisdom. He shut down uh, you know, the falseness of what was going on. And the Holy Spirit gave him a word to be spoken of wisdom to shut down that persecution. But in addition to that, he also spoke an incredible truth to all those who are listening and to us today. And it's a powerful message when you think about what Jesus was saying. Because he was saying, yeah, on this coin is the image of Caesar. Who cares? Give it to Caesar. If it's his, give it to him. But whose image is on you? Wow. And that's the real power of what Jesus was saying. He took an opportunity that was you know, meant to entrap him to actually teach an incredibly deep you know, theological truth that you and I are made in the image of God. Therefore, what we ought to do is give ourselves to Him. Whose image is on you? Your Father God's. So what do you do? You belong to Him. You belong to God. Isn't that beautiful? This is wisdom from heaven. And, uh, and so not only did Jesus correct and, and stun his persecutors, but he challenged them with this idea of giving themselves fully to God. So there's another example of, of the same kind of shenanigans <laughs> uh, that people had to try to trap Jesus, try to get rid of him. They were jealous of him. They were envious of him. They were threatened by him. And so these, these leaders, these Pharisees, Sadducees, the, the scribes, the teachers, um, they were trying to condemn Jesus or trying to trap him. So they brought a woman to him in front of him that was caught in the act of adultery. And they said to him, Teacher, the law says, Moses says, that we should stone such a person. What do you say? Now again, if Jesus says, yes, let's stone her, then the Romans had a law that the Jews were not able to um, put a death penalty on someone according to their religion then he would be in trouble with the Romans if they, if they actually did that. But if he didn't agree to that, then they, they were going to be saying, well, then you're breaking the law. You're against the Torah of God, and you're discredited as a teacher and as a rabbi. And so that was their intent, but Jesus had wisdom. He had a word of wisdom. The Bible says he knelt down and began to draw in the sand. We don't know exactly what he's drawing. And then he looked up, and he said to them, if any of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then we see the oldest to the youngest dropping their stones and walking away. And he silenced you know, his persecutors. He confounded them. His wisdom not only did that, but it allowed ministry to this woman 
who in the midst of that um, evil intent, Jesus turned it around and actually brought healing to this woman, changed her life. He showed her love. He showed her mercy. He showed her kindness. And in fact, he was the only one in the crowd that didn't sin, and he chose not to stone her. He, he gave mercy, and that's the intent of God. God does not rejoice in evil. Love doesn't rejoice in evil. God doesn't rejoice in punishment. He doesn't want to hurt anyone. He's not out to get anyone. He's out to save us. He's out to heal us. He's out to rescue us. Jesus said, I, I came for sinners, right? I came to save the lost. And so we see the true heart of God here right in this picture where the, 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 the evil was trying to entrap Jesus and Jesus turned it around and used it to bring healing to this woman's life. And his wisdom revealed the true intention and meaning of the law, that, that God's law is about promoting and protecting life, not taking life, not taking it, not punishing people, but saving people, right? And a third one I want to mention real quick is the healing of a, of a man's shriveled hand on the Sabbath. Again, Jesus found himself in this setting. He's in a, in a synagogue. It's a Sabbath. Uh, according to the traditions of the Pharisees and the, and the, uh, the teachers of the day, the, the traditions were that work on the Sabbath meant, among many other things, you know, you can't do any activity that alters creation, including what they would say is healing of a person. But this is nonsense to Jesus. And he was trying to help them see the true intent of the Sabbath. The Sabbath wasn't to be a burden upon man, but it was to be a rest for man. And the, the highest form of rest is restoration, is healing, is life. So he's in the synagogue. He sees this man with a shriveled hand. And he says to the people there, you know, what, what do you say? Is it good uh, to, to do, uh, is it to do good on the Sabbath or to do evil on the Sabbath? What's right, right? And in their heart, the people were looking to trap Jesus, see him heal somebody so they could condemn him. And in their hearts, they wanted to kill him. So they're thinking in their hearts, we want to kill him. And Jesus in his heart is looking at this man saying, I want to save him. How ironic, right? And so Jesus is calling them out. And he says, I ask you, which is lawful on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or destroy it? Jesus wants to save life. They want to destroy his. Jesus wants to do good. They want to do evil to him. Do you see what he's doing? Amazing. He knew what they were thinking. This is a word of wisdom to Jesus. Luke 6, 7 and 8. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal on the Sabbath. But Jesus knew what they were thinking. The Holy Spirit gave Jesus the insight to know what they were thinking. And then he gave a word of wisdom to confront them with their, their hearts. 
and then he healed the man in front of them to show them the true intent of the law. <laughs> I mean, he's just oozing with wisdom, right? And, uh, and so this is a gift that God has for us. The Holy Spirit will give us wisdom when we need it. The apostles had uh, many different examples in, the, in Acts and throughout uh, the early church of the gift of wisdom. Peter and John were standing before the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4, and they had just healed a, a cripple, and they were being interrogated for this, for this healing. And the uh, Sanhedrin, uh, all those big wigs said, in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. They were engaging in this question and answer time with great wisdom and boldness and courage. And these leaders like these guys... The, the, they were astonished at their wisdom. They were astonished at their courage, and they knew that they had been with Jesus. But really what they were experiencing was the Holy Spirit speaking through these guys. Because a couple of verses earlier in Acts chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them. He had a word of wisdom. When they were asking him questions, the Holy Spirit gave him what to say. And they were astonished by his wisdom. The same thing happened uh, with Stephen in Acts chapter 10, verse 6. They were condemning Stephen, falsely condemning him, and, and getting prepared to stone him. And it says, they could not stand up against his wisdom or the spirit by whom he spoke. You hear that? So Stephen was speaking by the spirit wisdom that his detractors could not compete with. They could not overcome his wisdom. It was this wisdom from God as Stephen was declaring the truth and the gospel to them, even though they were refusing to listen to it. Um, in, uh, Philip uh, has a great story uh, in Acts chapter 8. He was told by the angel of God to go to a certain road, to go down to a certain town. And so on his way, he's doing that. And then the Spirit of God told him, go over to that chariot. And it says here in verse... Uh, uh, 835. Um, so he went to this chariot where there's an Ethiopian ruler who was reading the scriptures. And so the, the spirit says, go get close to that chariot. So he goes over and gets close to the chariot. Now all this is just coming. The Holy Spirit is telling him what to do. This is awesome. So he does this. It sounds weird. Go to this road. Go down that road. Hey, you see that chariot? Hey, get over to that chariot. Get near to that chariot. That's what God was doing. The Holy Spirit was telling him this stuff, giving him these impressions. Has God ever told you to do stuff like that? Like, hey, go over here. Hey, stop. Hey, go into the store. Hey, do this. That's possible. It's possible that the Holy Spirit will have assignments for us like that at times. And so Philip's following all these, uh, you know, these, these intentions of the Holy Spirit. He gets over to the chariot and he hears the Ethiopian reading the scriptures in his chariot. And then he feels led by the Spirit to just engage in conversation with this guy. And he says, hey, what, do you know what you're reading? And he's like, no, I don't understand it at all. Would you explain it to me? And so then it says in Acts chapter 8, 35, Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading and told him the good news about Jesus. 
and Philip had a word of wisdom. He was able to just interject. He heard the scripture and immediately he began to explain it to him and presented the whole gospel. And the man got saved and he got baptized and then the spirit took Philip. <laughs> just incredible, right? Incredible things going on in the uh, New Testament. Peter preached a spontaneous message on the day of Pentecost by the Spirit of God. He was filled with the Spirit. All of them are filled with the Spirit. He preached this message and 3,000 people got saved. He didn't prepare message notes. He didn't have, you know, like I have. I have a binder. I have verses. I put some time into this. It was a spontaneous, Spirit-filled, Spirit-led word that went out from Peter in front of the people that brought 3,000 people to Jesus. Just awesome. And then one more I want to give you is Paul, who was on a um, shipwreck. And in Acts chapter 27, 9 to 11, it says, So Paul warned them, Men, I can see, he had a word of wisdom, Men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives as well. But the centurion, instead of listening to Paul, what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and of the owner of the ship. And so they went on their voyage. They continued forward, and a storm hit them. And for two weeks, they were lost at sea and freaking out and throwing stuff overboard and trying to survive. At the end of those two weeks, Paul has another word of wisdom for them. And in verse 21, he says, Paul stood up before them and said, Men, <laughs> you should have taken my advice. <laughs> he says that. Men, you should have taken my advice to not sail from Crete, then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. And then Paul told them what to do and gave them another word of wisdom to save their lives. And because of that, all of the lives of the men were saved because the Spirit of God told Paul what to do and gave him a word of wisdom in, in how to handle the situation. And now uh, it's our turn. To realize that the Holy Spirit will give us wisdom from heaven for people, for situations, for conversations, that we speak out with boldness, courage, because it is from God and it is timely and it's perfect for the moment. And so I want to encourage you, God wants to do that in your life. In my life, I remember, oh man, it was a... Uh, it was about 13 years ago, I had dinner, my wife and I had dinner at Applebee's in Bertrand with a, a guy named Papa Gill and his wife. Uh, they were uh, they're great, uh, gr great ministers of the gospel. They live out in California. They were in town and they preached at our church one time. They're kind of famous. And, uh, but anyway, we had a chance to go to dinner with them. I was telling them at the time about this new building that we wanted to build, where I am standing today in this building that we built, okay? This is the building I was talking about. So, uh, we wanted to do this building for our children, for classrooms. It was gonna cost us about uh, 200 uh, $220,000 or something, or $120,000 or something like that, because we had a lot of people volunteering, a lot of materials donated. Um, and so anyway, and I was talking to them about this, this local uh, Jennings Memorial Foundation that they give out grants. And I'd never asked for a grant before from the foundation. And I was telling them I've, I'd heard and did some research that they, they sometimes would give a grant, the highest grant, up to $50,000. And I was telling them about, I was, you know, I was praying about asking for, for some for the building. 
um, you know, maybe they do a matching fund. And as I'm explaining that to them, uh, Papa Gill's wife spoke to, to me and Amy and she said, she had a word, from, word of wisdom for us. And she said, ask for the full amount. She said, I'm telling you, ask for the full amount and God's going to give it to you. So I was encouraged by that word. And I said, okay, we'll do that. And sure enough, we did. We put the application out there and we explained our project and uh, we had raised some money and the foundation, when they got our application, granted us that $50,000 grant, which, uh, which doubled our money because we already had $50,000. That gave us a hundred. And we, we paid for this whole project, this whole building in cash and never went into debt at all for it. It was just amazing. It was a word of wisdom for a specific situation that I was praying about and contending with that I got from, from a, a sister in the Lord. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Uh, I remember another time uh, that, you know, I, I have received many words of wisdom and instruction from other pastors in my life at different moments, big moments, some small moments, but mostly big moments when I reach out uh, to other pastors and other mentors of mine and explain situations and I'll get a word of wisdom from them, a word of direction, a word of instruction to help me in those moments. And oftentimes when I'm praying or ministering with someone else, um, that God will give me a word of wisdom. I will have some sort of insight or some sort of uh, uh, you know, knowledge or something or a word that will come to, to just bring clarity or encouragement uh, or direction you know, in, in, in prayer with, with people. And that's, that's how the, that's, that comes from the Holy Spirit. None of that's contrived. None of it's made up. Uh, you, can't, you can't generate it. You just, you just receive it when the Holy Spirit brings it to you. And I pray that you begin to open your, your mind to that possibility that the Holy Spirit wants to flow these gifts through you to the people around you and to you through the people around you. Because it's a gift from heaven to know what to do, to have wisdom from heaven for specific situations. It's just a great blessing. And so the same spirit that's on Jesus is on you and on me and in you and in me. Jesus did only what he saw his father doing. And I pray that you and I will see through the spirit what God's will is. And we will also do what God wants to be done. And as Jesus offered himself to be a conduit of the Holy Spirit, so you and I must offer ourselves daily to be that conduit of the Holy Spirit. God is looking for someone, remember? God is looking for someone whom he can accomplish his will through. And Jesus had this conversation with God. I'm going to finish with this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 5 to 7. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. With burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll, I have come to do your will, O God. Can you pray that prayer? Can you say, Lord, here I am. I have come to do your will, O God. That's where, that's where it all begins. If I can surrender daily to the will of God and allow the Holy Spirit to live in me, that he would do his will, not my will, that I would allow the Holy Spirit to live in me and through me, not my flesh, not my pride, not my opinions, not my ego, not my, my desires, 
but I would surrender all I am to God and allow the Holy Spirit to live in me and through me, then I also will be living in this great adventure and you in this great adventure that God has invited us into. So I want to challenge you to pray this prayer um, every day this week. I'm going to give this prayer to you. This is kind of just a simple prayer. I want to challenge you to pray. And here it goes. It would go like this. Here I am, Father God. I have come to do your will. Jesus, today I surrender all of myself to you. Holy Spirit, I welcome you to fill me and flow through me today. May your kingdom come and may your will be done. Lord, I do pray that prayer. And I pray that prayer with my friend that God, you would, you would use us. We give ourselves to you. We surrender to you. We ask Holy Spirit that you fill us and move through us. And that all the gifts that you have for those around us, that Lord, you would find us as the conduit for you to move uh, in those ways. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for equipping us. Lord, we believe. We have faith, as Jesus said. We have faith in you and that we can do the same things Jesus did as your spirit leads us and guides us. Lord, let this be a great and powerful week in building the kingdom of God. May your, just, your blessings continue to be upon us and we receive all that you have for us today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. Have a great day and a great week, a spirit-filled week in his name. Amen.